Good day, fellow person. My name is Cam. I'm joined, of course, by Dave Hogue for this 180th episode. I almost said anniversary, but it's an episode of the Masterclass podcast. Uh, We are happy to be here. We took a week off last week because I don't know how to sleep, but we are back and I figured out how to sleep. So I am uh, ready and willing and able to say lots of things. Dave, how are you? Uh, doing all right. Doing all right. So I'm a little bit tired of the world, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) are you growing weary, Dave? I am growing weary. Very much. So are you ready for God to lift you up on wings like Eagles? (laughs) Sure. That's what Chris Tomlin says he'll do. So it must be true. That'd be nice. Yes. That'll be stuck in my head for the next week now. I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> and how are you? You know, um, I, uh, I am, what's the word? Melancholy, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, it's been a really good week. A lot has happened. Uh, we had a huge snowstorm, so I got to build a snowman and take my daughter sledding for the first time. Um, you know that she's experienced that, and so that was a ton of fun. Um, but today at work, uh, I I work on a team of five. Two of us are full time employees, and three are contractors. And two of the three contractors are not having their contracts renewed. Um, and one of them's being replaced, and one is just not being replaced. So we're going to be a team of four going forward. Um. And, uh, it was like a total bummer, uh, for everybody involved. It's like not, just not a good day. Right. Um, we just, like, we just spent the last four months working together, building this project. And now we're at a new phase of the project and they decided to change things up. The bosses decided to change things up. And so it's just, it's, you know, you work that closely with people, you know, and I mean, we were, we were working pretty much on zoom calls eight plus hours a day for the last four months together. You become friends, you know, right? especially yeah. when they're not jerks and they're genuinely nice human beings that, you know, are intelligent and, and fun and, you know, um, so it was just like all of a sudden, like we had found out last week that we all got extended through, um, February 10th. We're like, well, that's a really weird extension date. And then, like, today we get a, a message. It's like, hey, we're going to meet with all of you within the next hour to talk about uh, next steps. And we're like, oh, no. Because today <laughs> is February 1st, not February 10th. Right. And then within, you know, the next hour we found out what was going on. And it's just like, well, this isn't great. Uh, so, like, I feel super blessed that I got to st- I get to stay. I got extended through the end of the month on this project. So I'm not guaranteed anything beyond that. Right. Um, but at the same time, I feel for my, uh, my coworkers who are, you know, again, looking for the next contract. So it was, it, yeah, yeah it's been an up and down week, lots of good and, and, and enough sad to, you know, like life often does balance it out. Um, for you. So, Anyways, yeah, just uh, an up and down week for a number of different reasons, but 
happy to be here, happy that we're recording, happy that I managed to sleep last night. Um, <laughs> because last time we were recording, I didn't fall asleep till 5 a.m. the night before. And I just told Dave, I was like, you know what? My brain's mush most of the time. I don't, I don't need, a, a, you know, two and a half hours of sleep, then a full day of work before I record a podcast and say something I'm definitely going to regret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways. That's that. That's where I'm at. Uh, and we, Dave, we are still in chapter six of Hebrews, correct? Correct. Yes. Now, we, uh, we're going to finish up what we have been talking about for the last, well, last episode, which was episode 179. And then what we started in episode 177, because we, we had that, that interstitial episode of 178 where we talked about, um, you know, the attack on Congress, um, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to, I think is actually a pretty good episode, I will say. And we tend to not really do topical, specifically political episodes, but that one seemed fitting. Um, so go check that out. And if you think we're crazy, that's fine. Um, so this is episode 177. We started Hebrews or we, we got into Hebrews six, right? Because of the fact that the chapter markers in this book make zero sense. Uh, mm-hmm. and then 178, we hopped over to a little political conversation and then 179, we, we did four through eight. And then today we're going to do nine through 13 or nine through 12. I say all of that to let you know, this is one giant thought that has spanned multiple episodes. Um, so we're going to read a bit extra today context to help one us uh, have a better conversation because it has been two weeks since we recorded our last episode but also for you because by the time you hear this it will have been you know a week or two since we last put out an episode as well so i'm gonna shut up now because i think i'm just like stating the obvious in such a painfully awful way that i'm not helping anyone (laughs) so i'm just gonna stop talking take it away dave all right, we ready to jump in then? Yes. And we're doing 4 through 12. For it is impossible, in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the, heavenly, and shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain and often falls on it, that often falls on it, and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust to us to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. All right. Thanks for reading that whole thing. We're going to focus, though, right on on 9 through 12 today. So, yes, last time 
we talked about four through eight, which was uh well it was a bit hard. It it comes across as is rather uh dire. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we're not gonna rehash all of that this episode. You can listen back to last episode if you missed it. Um But but there is this like, you know, they have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they were crucified. Like it's just it's not great. It bears thorns and thistles, it's worthless and near to be being cursed and it then is to be burned, right? It's this huge, drastic, glaring warning that, that the author is, is offering uh, against, you know, those that have fallen into apostasy. Um, but this week in 9 through 12, we're seeing, it's not, it's not so much like he's hedging his bets you know, in trying to soften the blow with nine through twelve, so much as he's as he is saying, the people that he's writing to in this letter don't fall into that first category. Yeah, I Which, would agree. You know, I would imagine was a huge piece of encouragement to the people that were receiving this letter because after reading the last five verses, it's like, oh boy, that that that'll ruin your Monday. Um. But you know, as 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 we'll see here, as we walk through nine through twelve, um, we're we're seeing the author not not back off on what he said in four through eight, but letting the people know that he's writing to you, like like I've already said, you know that, that my hope is this doesn't apply to you. So, I mean that that's clear, right? In verse nine, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. So it's it's a warning against apostasy in, in four through eight, right? But here he refers to these people, right, as his beloved. We feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. So let's let's pause there for a second. Um what what are before we I, I should even I should back up even further, Dave. Gosh, it's like we haven't done this in two weeks. What are your initial thoughts on on like on this thing as a whole and then these two different aspects of it, right? The you know, four through eight that we talked about last episode and nine through twelve. Like what, what where are you where are you at with all this? Well, I, I guess I just I would agree with what you said, um, in terms of I I don't think he believes that, that anybody he's speaking to in this moment uh, is an apostate. Um, I don't think he's, I, I, I think it is a, um, you know, back to our conversation last week of it, it's a willful choice. It's a decision to not follow God. And he is uh, addressing believers. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, the term beloved uh, that would refer um, it's a, that would be a term used to, uh, address uh, fellow believers and people where they're at. And again, I, I, I just think there's, um, I think the nature of our faith so often uh, we have doubts and um, it can feel like we're not following God. It can feel like we're not doing everything uh, that we're supposed to here. And, um, I, I do think there's there is a definite warning of don't be feel don't be thinking that you can just bounce and back and forth between choosing God and not choosing God and and that sort of a thing. Uh, so there's there's a definite warning there. 
but I do think as we get into verse nine, there is this reassur- reassurance that he doesn't think the people he's talking to fall into that category. Um, and um, I, I, I don't know. I think there, I think there's an element of there is a warning, um, but it really would have to be, you know, somebody that chooses that is making a conscious decision to not follow God and not to have anything to do with him and not really somebody that's just off in their journey or has backslidden in their journey. So Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. I mean, that's what, where I'm at. Cool. So one thing that stands out to me is the phrase that starts verse 10 for God is not unjust. So as to, and what what i what what stands out to me particularly about that is that in matters of sin and salvation god is unjust right. he gives salvation he to give those us. that don't justifiably deserve it he gives salvation to those that deserve damnation and death mm-hmm. and hell right and so in that instance he is unjust his mercy his grace his love his forgiveness overflows, washes out, you know, and, and, and not that justice wasn't served very much. So it was in the crucifixion of Jesus and the fact that a price was paid. So justice was served, just not in perhaps the letter of the law type of way in the sense that you and I paid for our transgressions, rather Jesus paid for them for us. Uh, so I, I, I guess that, that does stand right. God is not unjust. No, he's, he, he is just. He he just often finds ways uh, on the positive side of that spectrum for his justice to be creatively fulfilled in ways that show showcase his mercy and love uh, for his creation to his own you know detriment in in that case right his own cost his own sacrifice. Um, but what is also encouraging here right is that is that the opposite is not true on the negative side of that spectrum. So God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for him in his name, serving the saints as you still do. Like just because God is willing to be unjust in that sense, if you know it, hopefully I I've explained what I mean when I say that on the, on the positive side of the spectrum, God will do what he will do in order to save his people which is amazing. Mm-hmm. The same, you know, the opposite is not true on the negative end where there's no grace, there's no mercy. Like God sees the good works that are done by men and women every day. He doesn't overlook the love that is shown one to another. He doesn't overlook the mercy. He doesn't overlook the forgiveness. He doesn't overlook all of the things that people do across this globe to further the kingdom of God among its people. And it's, it's just sobering, I think, for me, that God can be so demanding 
that justice be served and that people pursue holiness and perfection and hold people to such a high standard and yet at the same time be so willing to fill the gap where there's no way that a human ever could and and, and likewise celebrate the work of broken people and we look we've talked about this over and over again on this show right the amount of broken people that god works through in scripture and in our experiences in mm-hmm. life and if god should ever choose to work through you and i in the lives of someone who would listen to the show, it's not because you and I have it together, right? It's God working through two broken guys that are just trying to figure out what it means to love Jesus. And there's, there's something ultimately settling and heavy about God's imbalance when it comes to how he treats us. And, and what, what, I, what I mean by imbalance is the leaning towards grace and forgiveness and mercy to cover what we couldn't cover, to undo what we've done, to fix what we've broken, to mend all that has been twisted, right? But then also to have the, what's the word here, the optimism to then look on the good that we can do in his name and go, yes, that, more of that, that I applaud. That's awesome. And it's, it's unlike anything else. Even, even the best parent, Dave, will struggle daily to even scratch that sort of viewpoint for their kids, right? You know, mm-hmm. you have three, I have one. You're, you know, your kids are much further down the line than mine are, uh, you know, and, and you are further down the line in your parenting experience than I am. But there, all I want for my kid is for her to know that I love her, to know that she's allowed to mess up and learn from her mistakes. But I also want her to know that I expect the best from her and I want her to excel. And even just trying to figure out that balance without losing my mind some days Is darn near impossible, and she's only four. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine <laughs> what it's going to be like when she's seventeen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she is, you know, intelligent and competent, and has ambition and desire and options for what she wants to do and can do, and you know, all of the stress that goes along with being a teenager and the decisions you have to make, and, and all of that. And it's like God does that not only for me but for every human being on the face of the planet at the same time, and also for anyone who has ever lived in the past and also may ever live in the future. And it just, it's, it's a bit much to comprehend. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's so cool 
Then in verse 10, it just, for God is not so unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown in his name and serving the saints and all of you. Like, God's got you. Even in that, God's not going to overlook the good that you do in his name. He's super cool, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I could use a technical phrase, he is super cool. <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, you know, I it uh I you know, it stands out to to me is that you know, it doesn't say he doesn't overlook that you believe the right things. Hmm. Um <laughs> you know, uh and I, I, honestly, I think um if, if what you know, the I feel like there's themes for me as, as you and I spend time doing the podcast and I, I just, there is an element of this time has just shown to me as we've dug into the word of, you know, God expects there to be actions, um, in our life. And, you know, much like you said, I, I still make mistakes, still do it wrong. You know, all that, all the, all that you said, I am in complete agreement with, uh, but it does just come back to, um, there needs to be evidence. There needs to be something, you know, tangible, you know, for him to overlook it, it has to exist, you know, for him not to overlook it. Um, it has to be, it has to be something that exists in our life. And then the other thing that I, you know, and this is, I would say even more recently, um, in the last year is just how much God talks about love and how much love is in scripture. And I, so I, I see it in scripture and I see God talking about it. I see Jesus talking about it. I see about, you know, Paul, I, I don't see a lot of it in the world. And when I say that, like, I mean, Christians, like, I just don't feel lately I've seen a lot of love from Christians. I see a lot of, and when I say, you know, I kind of, um, and when I say Christians, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's ultimately, I guess, up to God. So I'll, I'll, I'll let him <laughs> decide who falls in that category. Uh, I, but I, I guess that's just, it's just it. I just think that, that there could be a whole lot more love than what we see. And uh, in some ways I feel like I harp on this a lot of just, I'm tired of people feeling like they have to be right or prove that they're right. Um, and so well, how else will you get more followers on Instagram and Twitter, Dave, than if you're right? <laughs> um, can I interject for a sec? Sure. Because I think this conversation on love is, one, very important, but two, I want to clarify where I stand on it and then, you know, give you an opportunity to either, you know, uh, you know counterpoint or agree. Um, oftentimes love is translated as like this warm, gooey, fuzzy, do whatever you kind of want, you know, 
how could love be a sin? Love can't be wrong. You know, all of this sort of stuff as a way to explain whatever cultural or political, you know, agenda you have. And what, what, what I push back on is the concept that love doesn't have an edge to it. That love is all warm hugs and care bears and, you know, ice cream sundaes and happiness. And part of love is discipline. And part of love is setting expectations. And part of love is holding people to a certain standard. And um, so I, th I think, to your point, that it's hard to see love in a lot of places, I think you're right on what I think you meant and also right on what I just articulated that there is where there, where there is love. It is often just like, you know, the warm embrace kind of sorta without any sort of meat and potatoes to it. And, and, and what it, what, what it really comes down to is that love can only exist in a mutual relationship. Does that make sense? Um, I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. <laughs> Cause I don't think you, I don't think you have to have a mutual relationship for somebody for there to be love. Hmm. Now I'm considering what I just actually said. <laughs> Can I ask you to explain what you mean by that to help me out? Um, I mean, I just, I can think of like many situations where love is not returned. And so if, mm, if you love mm, someone mm -hmm. or something and the love is not returned, well, then it's not a mutual relationship. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, okay. Then let me rephrase what I was trying to say and chose the wrong words to say. <laughs> um, I agree that we can show love and love not be returned 100%. And to that point, with what you said about not it not being shown in, you know, various and sundry ways, I agree. I do think that there is a portion, and that may even be the wrong word, because it makes it feel like when I use that word that, words, Dave, oh, they are frustrating and glorious all at the same time. And I'm trying to choose the right one here. I think there is a part of love. Oh, how do I even say this? I'm so frustrated with myself now. Um, I 
You know what? I'm going to hit pause on that because I clearly can't articulate what I want to say, and I don't want to spend the next five minutes trying to figure out what I want to say by talking your ear off. So, yes, I will, I will agree that we can show love in a non-mutual way. Duh, that's what Jesus did on the cross. So, yes, obviously, I misspoke. Um, I just, I think, and, I, and I, obviously I can't articulate it because I've been talking for the last two minutes without being able to do so. <laughs> but I do think, in addition to what you said, and I agree with you 100%, and you're right, and I was wrong. Um, I do think, in addition to what you have stated, there are portions of a loving relationship between people that requires uh, some discipline and some back and forth that I think is also missing in a lot of the church today. And maybe that's where I wanted to go with it, is this idea that there needs to be a loving relationship between the church and the culture. And that's usually a one-way street, to your point. It should be the church showing the greater culture a ton of love, and it shouldn't be the other way around. But I also think there needs to be an aspect of that relationship where the church and its members have a relationship of you are now a part of the church and out of love we are going to call you out of your sin and into holiness and in in all of that that I think is missing in a lot of places and I realize that that is a different conversation than we were having a few minutes ago when I started down this trail uh and I I appreciate the fact that you said yeah no I don't I don't agree because that <laughs> one you were absolutely right and two, you allowed me to stumble through, uh, you know, a three-minute explanation to get where I should have started. At the, at the, uh, uh, I'm done. Anyways, that was that was a train wreck of words, Dave. I'm sorry. Yeah, and you know, so I, I to your point in terms of. You know, love is not just this touchy-feely, you know, um, because it says, um, overlook your work and the love that you've shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. So I think serving is, is a big part of that mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the love. And if you think about serving, uh, you know, I think what's implied in that is is there's an element of, of you die to self and you're putting the other person before yourself, you know, you're, you're not doing what you want, but what's best for that person. And so I think, you know, that means that, that we should be praying for each other. Um, you know, when was the last time you prayed for somebody that, that, you know, disagreed with you and you didn't pray for them to see things the way you see it, but you just (laughs) genuinely just prayed for them. Um, you know, um, I think it's, it's, it's rebuking sin. I, I think one of the ways we serve each other as Christians is we rebuke sin. Um, and, and again, I think, um, 
you know, back to the, the mutual relationship. It's really not my job to rebuke sin in somebody I don't know or I don't have a relationship with. I think it's for the rebuking of sin to truly be effective. One, it needs to be God speaking it on our heart that that's something that we need to do. And two, it, it's much more effective when it's, it's in a relationship and it's with somebody that we love. Um, you know, I think we're to um, bear each other's burdens. I think we're to give um, as, as we have ability. And I guess beyond what we have ability, I think we should be giving um, sacrificially. Um, so, I, you know, I think the idea of there's the, um, so the three words that stand out to me are work, love, and serving. And I think those three things are very much tied to each other, not just in this verse, but in who God is and what he is, is asking us to do. And maybe a better way for me to say, I don't think people are loving each other is I don't see a lot of serving mm. each other. Yeah. That I can get behind. All right. So last two verses it says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but initiators of those who through faith and patience inherit, inherit the promises. I said initiators. It says imitators. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I have you read the Bible each week, Dave. I want to. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, again, um, things that just stand out is, you know, we, we desire... Uh, full assurance of hope, um, imitators of through faith and patience, um, and then to inherit or experience uh, the promise of God. So, um, I don't know. I just think about desire is a powerful word. Hope is a powerful, powerful word. Um, you know, and then faith, faith and patience and promises. And, um, there's much that, um, much that we do not see <laughs> and being 2000 years removed from, uh, what occurred in the Bible, it's, it, uh, it can at times be challenging. So, and who knows how far away from the end we are. Yeah, it just depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we, uh, well, I shouldn't say we, I stumbled through that one. You did a great job of keeping <laughs> us on track, <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, but I think, uh, unless you object, Dave, we are going uh, to uh, end this here episode uh, briefly. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we certainly appreciate your time uh, and your willingness to uh, lend us your ears and your brains for a while. And uh, if you want to get in touch, you can do so. There's links in the show notes, which can be found at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 180 or on your podcast app of choice on your fancy uh, computer phone. 
Um, there's links to all the goodies there. Uh, yeah, check them out. Till next time, um, be good. See you later. Bye.